0: The scripture reading today is from the book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast, as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection.
1: May we have courage, God, to answer the call. Amen. So, eight years ago, I transitioned from Paul to Paula, and I've discovered the world does not treat women exactly the same as it treats men. One of the things I've come to realize is that now that I'm Paula, I am no longer judged on the aggregate body of my work. I'm only judged on my most recent accomplishment. For instance, I was brought onto the board of a large nonprofit, and I was brought onto the board because I used to teach a doctoral course, Current Trends in American Religion. So we were having a board meeting, we had a new CEO, we have a large conference, and we were talking about whether or not to have our CEO speak and give a keynote for the conference. And I said, Well, she's not a seasoned speaker, so it might be better if we interview her, but. If you want her to give a keynote, I would be happy to coach her. At which point a powerful white man in the room said, Well, if we're going to do that, why don't we hire a real coach? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's exactly what I thought. I've done two TED Talks, two TEDx Mile High Talks. I've coached TEDx Mile High speakers. I'm a speaker's ambassador for TED. I've taught speech in three universities, two in the United States, one in Europe. Tell me, what part of that does not make me a real coach? But of course, I didn't say anything because if I'd said something, now I'm just that woman. And if I had said something, I just would have been interrupted because here's the truth. Proven, men interrupt women twice as often as they interrupt other men. You know, if I could just go back to Paul and tell him just one thing, tell him just one thing, it would be assume a woman knows what she's talking about and treat her accordingly. <laughs> that all by itself would go a really long way. You can applaud. <laughs> you're, you're allowed to applaud for that. <clears throat> Nowadays, I feel like I have to walk around with my curriculum vitae in my pocket just to prove that I in fact am older than dirt and I have in fact gained a lot of knowledge in a lot of different areas. It's interesting, while I think I have gained a lot of knowledge, I wouldn't say I've gained a lot of wisdom. Wisdom arrives with the assimilation of suffering. Now we all suffer, none of us avoid suffering, but not that many of us learn to assimilate suffering to assimilate suffering to the purpose of wisdom you have to be willing to allow the suffering to get beneath the level of your objecting ego and get to the level of your soul that part of your being that searches for meaning and there at the level of your soul the alchemy can be done that turns that suffering into wisdom i did not suffer much as a man So I don't think I gained all that much wisdom as a man. As a woman, I've gone through three profound periods of suffering. Two of them I wrote about in my memoir. And I think they gave me a fair amount of wisdom. The third I'm in the middle of right now. I'll let you know how it goes once I'm through it. We're going to talk this morning about somebody who gained a lot of wisdom in a short period of time. Her name was Esther. It's 486 B.C., Xerxes I is the king of Persia and he's got himself a very comfortable position and he decides to hold a 180-day, six-month party for the elite of his administration. A six-month-long party for the one percenters. At the end of the six months, he says, oh yeah, probably should do something for everybody else too. So we'll have a party for everyone in all of Persia for seven days so the one percenters get six months, everybody else gets seven days. Sounds kind of like, you know, typical human behavior. And on the first day of the seven days, he wants to bring out his wife, Queen Vashti, and parade her before the people to show what a clever man he is, that he was able to get someone as beautiful as Queen Vashti to marry him. And she refuses to do it. She's like, yeah, I'm done. That's enough. No more trophy wife. I'm not on display for the world. I'm done. We don't know anything else about Vashti, but I'm telling you, I love her. (laughs) She is, in fact, full of courage because more than likely she paid for that with her life. Now the king needs a new queen. And so they have a beauty contest, and a young woman wins it. She happens to be an orphan. then don't have to deal with the in-laws. This is great. And so she's been raised by her older cousin. Her name's Esther. The older cousin is Mordecai. She becomes the queen. Not long after, Mordecai, who had raised her, finds out that there is, in fact, a plot against the king's life. Tells Esther, who tells the king, and also tells him, That it's Mordecai who told her this. Well, now he wants to show some gratitude, and so he gives Mordecai a small position in his administration. And now, enter the antagonist of the story. That's right. The king is not the antagonist of the story. The guy who does a 180 day party for the rich and kills his wife is not the antagonist of the story. There's somebody who's even worse. It's his chief of staff, a man named Haman, whose ego is so weak that he actually forces everyone to bow down when he comes into a room. Any of you read the article I read a couple of weeks ago in the Washington Post about a former presidential chief of staff who used to make everybody stand up when he came into the room? Uh Uh-huh, that's what happened there too. He did not last long. As the presidential chief of staff. So there's one guy, new guy in the administration, who refuses to bow down to Haman, and he's angry about it, and it really gets under his skin, and he begins trying to figure out why he won't, and then it occurs to him, Mordecai won't bow down to me because he's a Jew. Oh, if he's a Jew, It means Esther is a Jew. I don't think the king knows Esther is a Jew. Now the Jewish people had been held captive in Persia for a very long period of time. And they had recently been freed, but freed without resources, which is useless. They didn't have any money to go back home. So they're still there in the capital city of Susa, and they are the lower rung of society. And he despises the Jews because they refuse to bow down to him and now he wants to kill Mordecai. And so Haman goes to the king and says, you know, I've made some good investments and I've got a good bit of money and I can give a good bit of money to your treasury and all I need you to do is just to sign this one decree. You don't even have to look at what it says. You don't even need to read it if you don't want to. Just sign it. The king's like, hmm. Money for the treasury. Okay, he signs it. Maybe does, maybe doesn't realize he's just signed a decree saying that Haman and his men can kill not just Mordecai, but all of the Jewish people. Word of this gets back to the Jews, as things do. Mordecai goes to Esther and says, Yeah, we got a problem. Tells her what's happened, and Esther says, y- You don't understand how things work in this kingdom. I can't go before the king. If I go before the king without having been summoned, I will be killed. When you present yourself before the king without having been summoned, if he does not raise his staff, you are immediately taken out and executed, and he has not summoned me for 30 days. Which tells you something about their sex life, I'm thinking, right? You know, just saying. Mordecai says, you-, you don't understand. If you don't say something, all of our people are going to be killed. And do you think you're going to survive that yourself? And then he says the words she doesn't want to hear, you don't want to hear, none of us want to hear. He says to her, you were born for such a moment as this. It's the call under the hero's journey. All of us were born for such a moment as this. All of us called onto the hero's journey. I love all the great myths. You know, a myth is a specific story that tells a universal truth. One of my favorite is the story of Beowulf, a 6th century British consultant who signs himself out to the king of Denmark, Rothgar, who's got himself a problem in that a hideous sea monster, Grendel, keeps devouring his people. So Beowulf shows up with all of his men, kills Grendel, a huge party at the great hall that night. Life goes well until later on that night even more of the king's people are devoured by an even more hideous sea monster. It's the mother of Grendel. I love that message. You know, the thing in life we fear, that's not really our problem. Your problem is not the thing you fear. Your problem is that which gives birth to the thing you fear. This past week, it was my privilege to speak to all of the women who are going to be speaking at TED Women in Palm Springs in a couple of weeks. I usually do that a couple of weeks before they speak. These are some of the most accomplished women on earth. They are going to be TED speakers. And yet every last one of them is terrified they're going to do a bad job on their TED Talk. And I said to them, you know, the problem is not that you're afraid of doing a bad job on your TED Talk. The problem is what gives birth to that fear. It's your sense, accomplished as you are, that you are in fact an imposter. All of us feel it. Nobody escapes it. Oh, they meant to to invite the other Paula Stone-Williams, you know, the one who cured the common cold and invented the first time machine. Not me. That's how they all felt. I said all of us have this sense that we're just not enough as we are, that we just can't be loved as we are. We're only loved as long as we're able to be useful to others. A problem is not the thing we fear. It's that which gave birth to the thing we fear, that we're not enough. And now, Beowulf knows he's been called. He alone is going to have to go down to where the mother of Grendel lives in a deep, dark, black lagoon, and he's going to have to battle her alone, and he's utterly terrified, and that's another important lesson of this myth. Courage is not the absence of fear. The absence of fear is stupidity. Courage is moving forward even though you are absolutely filled with fear. And he's ready to go down into that deep dark black lagoon and the king gives him a bunch of tools to take with him including a sword so special it has a name, Hunting he drops down into the bottom of that deep dark black laguna before he even hits the bottom. He's lost every one of the tools he took into the battle with him because this is how it goes when you're called under the hero's journey. The tools you take into the battle are never the tools that are going to allow you to defeat the enemy. You will only be able to defeat the enemy with the tools you discover in the midst of the battle. This is why we always reject the call under the hero's journey. We say, I don't have what it takes to do this task. Of course you don't, but you're called to it. And once you get there, you'll find the tools you need. For three days and three nights, he battles the mother of Grendel. And then finally sees on the wall attached to a chain a glowing sword. He breaks it off the chain and cuts off her head and he goes back to the top of the water exhausted because it takes a long time to kill a monster. Three days, three nights, maybe longer. And now Esther has got to decide, will she respond to the call under the hero's journey? Has she been born for such a time of this? If she goes to the king... And he does not raise his staff, she will be killed. If he does raise his staff, well, now she's got to tell him she's Jewish, which might cause her to be killed. And if she does that, then she's going to have to say to him, you're an idiot, you signed a decree that is going to bring about my own death, and you need to trust me to figure out what the solution is to this, which is not going to go well in a patriarchal society. And so she says to Mordecai, have the people pray and fast for three days, and I'll go before the king. And if I die, I die. That's courage. She goes before the king. He raises his staff. She says to him, I want to have a special dinner tomorrow and there's some things I've got to talk to you about. And so he invites other people, including Haman, his snake-in-the-grass chief of staff. And the next night, she says to him, I'm Jewish. He doesn't kill her. Doesn't seem all that bothered by it. And then she says, And you have signed a decree that allows Haman and his men to kill every Jew in all of Susa, including me. And now Xerxes is so upset, he leaves, rushes out. Haman comes to her and is begging for his life. He knows he's in trouble. The king comes back in, sees Haman begging for his life in front of Esther, thinks that he's assaulting Esther. And immediately has him taken out and hung on the gallows he had created on which he was going to hang Mordecai. There's a certain kind of justice there. That's American justice. Giving people what they deserve. That's what we're into here. It's not Hebrew justice. Hebrew justice, Sadak, is giving people what God wants them to have. Hebrew justice looks a lot more like forgiveness and mercy and grace. And now she says to him, we, we've got a problem because, see, you've signed a decree and even the king cannot unsign a decree. And so all of Haman's men are going to destroy my people. What are you going to do? And he said, okay. Okay. I will give the Jewish people the right to bear arms and I will make sure they attack all of Haman's people before they are attacked. And so that's what happens. They kill about 300 of his leaders, including his 10 sons. And the king comes back and says, is that enough? And Esther says, no, kill 75,000 more. There's a lot of violence in the Hebrew scriptures. But it also tells us that King Xerxes definitely had a type. Between Vashti and Esther, he liked strong women. They killed 75,000 more, and now the Jews know they are safe. Mordecai is made chief of staff, and there's a huge celebration and feast among the Jewish people—the Feast of Purim, which continues every year to this very day among the people of Israel. I believe in next year it's March or thereabouts, usually in the late winter time. All because she was willing to answer the call under the hero's journey. All because she was willing to acknowledge she had been born for such. A time as this. So have you. We're not here by accident. You too were born for such a time as this. Every last one of us has been called onto the hero's journey. The question isn't whether you're called or not. The question is whether you'll take the time to discern your call. And once discerned, you'll find the courage to answer your call where you will you be called where God calls us will always be at a place that removes suffering from the world I love what Frederick Buechner said where you were called is where the world's deep hunger meets your deep gladness you will always be called in the areas of your gifts you know we all have abilities Abilities are things we're good at, but we really don't enjoy. That's your abilities. But then we also have gifts. Gifts are abilities we have that we enjoy so much, we lose track of time when we're doing them. And then we also have a pinnacle gift. That one gift that everybody says to us, oh, you're one of the best at this. We will always be called onto the hero's journey within the realm of our gifts or our pinnacle gifts. And you might think to yourself, oh, I've been called, I'm so excited about this call, this is what I've wanted to do my whole life, I'm excited, this is great. Yeah, no, that's not your call. As somebody else's call. Because your call is always going to be responded to with an oh, not an oh, joy of joys. Because it's always going to take you to a place you don't think you have what it takes to get through the battle, but the call knows. You will find the tools you need in the midst of the battle. Esther did. And you will be able to lessen the suffering of the world, but only if you answer the call. So, I suppose that is the question. What is? the call that terrifies you that you know you've been called to and will you find the courage to answer that call think about that and listen to these words of mary oliver one day you knew what you had to do and began though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice One day you knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. Mend my life. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible. It was already late enough and a wild night, and the road full of Fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, as you left their voices behind, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds and there was a new voice, a new voice, a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own. that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, it's so terrifying to know we've been called. And we just want to be safe. And you call us to be courageous, not safe. To step forward to where the world's deep hunger meets our deep gladness. Give us the courage to answer the call. For this we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.